With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Funky Monkey MMA Radio on iTunes, Stitzer Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cast Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, and FightBookMMA.com. If you want the freshest news and notes on MMA, then check out FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. Interested in sponsoring the show? Then send an email to FunkyMonkeyMMA at gmail.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. MMA fans, are you looking for something to set you apart? Then check out AltercationClothing.com. Altercation Clothing is a brand with attitude, offering fans and fighters alike a variety of specialty shirts. If you won't back down, then you're ready for an altercation. Altercation Clothing can be found on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Altercation Clothing. Altercation Clothing is a proud sponsor of Funky Monkey MMA Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. You can listen to Funky Monkey MMA Radio on iTunes, Stitzer Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cast Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, and FightBookMMA.com. If you want the freshest news and notes on MMA, then check out FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. Interested in sponsoring the show? Then send an email to FunkyMonkeyMMA at gmail.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. All right, well, first off, Lacey, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. Your upcoming fight will be against Mizuki Inoue at Invicta FC 15. Uh, How has your training camp been going leading up to this fight? Um, it's been great. It was a little shorter than normal. Um, Invicta only gave us five weeks for this one. Um, but I'm always constantly in training. So, um, we just kind of kicked it into high gear and everything's been going really great. The weight cut's been great. Um, just actually got done doing road work. So yeah, I'm feeling good, really excited, just ready to go. Uh, is there a reason that Invicta gave you guys uh, less time to prepare for this card in general or? Um, I think it's just, um, scheduling with Zuffa with them is really hard. And so, um, you know, they kind of know last when they're going to have a show. So they kind of had us, um, you know, since September, they were kind of telling me, we're going to have a card, we're going to have a card, we want you on it. Um, so I was kind of, you know, preparing with the back in the back of my mind that there might be a card, but, um, you know, we didn't actually get our contracts until about five weeks out. So I don't think it was necessarily on purpose just as much as it was just having scheduling issues and whatnot. And uh, you've said that the week leading up to the fight is called Hell Week. Uh, can you go into detail as to what Hell Week is like? 
Um, Well, we typically always train very hard. So um, when we have our hell week, it's just mostly more live action. Um, We are constantly, you know, strength and conditioning training, you know, skill training, technical sparring. But hell week is more of just getting your ass kicked every day and um, having to put in all that work on top of having to get, you know, tons around sparring um but yeah it's just mostly that it's it's hellacious beat beat down week so um definitely (laughs) glad it's over (laughs) right of course and um after your last fight you actually requested to fight mizuki anyway next you called her out in your uh post-fight interview Uh, what was the reason behind wanting her as your next opponent um, I hate that it's called calling her out. It was more that um, I have a lot of respect for Japanese fighters. It's never personal with them. It's always um, two warriors that just want to go compete against one another at the highest levels and see who is the better warrior that day. And that's what I respect about Mizuki is that she um, is, first of all, so young, and she's obviously got so much heart and tenacity, and what she brings um, in the cage is something that I really um, admire, and I, I feel that we match up so similarly because of that. Um, we, I started competing when I was 17. She started competing when she was 16, and our careers just mimic each other so much. Um, I'm just at a point in my career where I'd really like to challenge myself against someone like her. Um, we have just very similar backgrounds in karate and whatnot, um, and so I just think that it, it's a, a challenge for me in my career that I would like to um, overcome. So um, that's why I think that it would be it was a, a good challenge. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like you said, we, we say it's a call out, but, you know, you watch it. You obviously, it wasn't disrespectful or anything like that. You just said that you had her in mind as an opponent and it was obviously just meant to, it was a fight that you wanted and you wanted to bring attention to it. Yeah. And the thing is too, is, you know, with so many girls signed to the Invicta roster, you have to kind of almost hand things to them. Like, this is what I want and see how they take it. And so it's more, you know, I know who's on the roster who, you know, we're interested in competing against. And sometimes you have to make those things happen in order to get on a future card. And so, you know, I do have to, you have to sometimes make yourself heard. Of course. Yeah. And uh, you said before that uh, your background is actually in uh, karate. Is that how you actually got started in mixed martial arts or was it something else that got you interested into the sport? Um, well, I was always, like, getting in trouble for, like, street fighting, I guess, in school. I've been getting suspended for fighting since, like, third grade. And so I was always kind of, like, scrappy. And so, like, of course, I always, like, wanted to be a boxer or, like, you know, do martial arts. I always loved, like, Bruce Lee and stuff. But then when I was 12, I met my um, – who's now my husband, Randall. And uh, he did traditional martial arts. He started in taekwondo and karate. And so – um, you know, he would always come home and be like, hey, let me try this move on you. And so, like, after I got kicked in the head, like, 20 times, I'm like, okay, I want to learn this, too, so I can come home and practice on you. So um, that's kind of how I initially started. And we, um, you know, kind of pursued that for a while until um, we met our first Muay Thai instructor, John Crunk. Um, and he, we started, you know, doing real kickboxing. And then um, we got hooked up with our um, instructor, Hale Hilsebeck, who that's when we started um, competing originally. And then we, you know, quickly learned we needed, like, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and better hands and things like that. So we moved on to our um, next uh, jiu-jitsu instructor, which was Rex Payne, and he was the first one that really brought us into um, real jiu-jitsu and kind of showed us the way of the ground because we were kind of like – we had, like, karate grappling, but it was, like, nothing, you know, at all legit when it went to fighting. You know, we would get in there and we'd be like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? So that's how we kind of started into jiu-jitsu. And then um, he eventually moved away, and we found our professor, Joaquin Baca, 
Um, and he's been our instructor for the last six years. Um, we're one stripe purple belts under him. And um, he just showed us a whole new light. Um, we were always doing no gi, and now, you know, we're very strict in our gis. And uh, it, it kind of changed our whole game once we got, you know, hooked up with Professor. Um, and then in 2000, the end of 2010, beginning of 2011, we started boxing with Steve Mestis, who's our boxing coach, and um, started pursuing boxing and, and competing in that as well. So, um, and then our longtime friend, um, Master Donald Lee, he was the World Kickbox, uh, World Combat League kickboxing coach. And so um, he's, you know, taken us on under his wing and um, been our kickboxing instructor. So um, we've just been really blessed that we've, throughout our journey, found all these great coaches that just match up well with us and just have helped us create our great style, you know. And then just most recently, we brought in our coach, Mike Larita, who's our wrestling coach. Um, he's got 27 years of experience coaching and um, his team's seven-time league champions and whatnot. So, you know, it, we're definitely getting a, a strong foundation of coaching um, that, you know, is personally directed at us, and it's definitely made a huge change in our game. Yeah, and, yeah, from uh, the sound of it, you know, you have a very uh, diverse group of coaches and instructors there, and based on what you've said in the past, you take a lot of pride in being a well-rounded fighter. So in your fights, uh, do you think that you're pretty comfortable wherever the fight goes because of that? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's very important to us to be able to compete in each individual art as well as mixed martial arts. And so um, I think that being that we specifically train each individual um, style for its own, um, you know, like if I wanted to go and compete against a Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist, that's what I train my jiu-jitsu for, you know. So I want to be able to compete with people at the highest levels in each art, but I want to be able to put them together. And so I think doing that really makes that a lot easier. You kind of have an answer everywhere you go into the fight. And so there's less thinking and delay and hesitation, um, which makes it you have a much more fluid fight. Of course, yeah. And uh, kind of shifting the attention uh, back towards your upcoming fight now, uh, one of the more interesting things about Mizuki, you brought this up as well, is the fact that she is still so young, I believe only 21 years old, yet she has a wealth of experience in Japan. Do you think that that's an advantage for her? Or do you think that because she's so young, she still needs more room to improve and therefore you'll have more of an edge in the cage? Um, you know, I look at it like experience is experience. Um, Ronda Rousey is a great example of that. Um, people, you know, oh, she has no experience when she first came in, and who, how could she do this? How is she, you know, this is a fluke, blah, blah, blah. She has so many judo matches. That's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of competitions that she's been involved in. It teaches you a certain mind state. So with Mizuki, I feel like um, experience is experience, and she does have a lot of it. Um, because it came early in her career, I think that it's hard to learn when you – fight that often, I feel like you're more just fighting and not necessarily taking the time that it takes to improve between fights. Um, and that's where I feel like maybe my experience weighs um, more heavily for me um, in my benefit because I have had a lot more years to improve in between fights um, with my experience. But I definitely um, don't disregard anything she's done. She's fought some of the best. Um, she's competed at some of the highest levels right off her, you know, right off the bat. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be really exciting like that just because she does bring a lot to the table um, at such a young age. But, yes, I definitely think that um, my years will pay off. Okay, yeah. And in your last fight at Invicta FC 12, you started off very aggressive, which led to a quick and decisive TKO victory. I believe it was a, a little under two minutes. And in this matchup, are you planning on another fast start, or do you want to maybe ease into the fight a little bit and maybe take your time, or uh, how are you planning on approaching it? 
Um, you know, I always go in there like I'm going to do something in particular and then that never happens. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that with Mizuki, she's very technical. And so um, I'm definitely not trying to rush anything and I'm, you know, just trying to play it smart. But, you know, I, I can always be a defensive fighter and a counter fighter. So, you know, we'll kind of just see when we get in there. But definitely, you know, I'm always a, a, a I like to get in there and get out as quick as possible. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to have to sit in there and fight and get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, uh, that brings us to the next question. In the past, you've said that you would much rather prefer a dominant performance, a dominant performance over more of a fight of the night type of scrap. Um, are you expecting a one-sided fight on your end? Or do you think that the fight could be relatively back and forth for this matchup? Well, I always hope, like I said, um, you know, fight of the night is is always a huge honor, but at the same time, it, it means your opponent did as well as you did. So, um, you know, I definitely want to be the more dominant and victorious fighter, of course. But, you know, like I said, I'm not putting anything past Mizuki, and I know this is going to be like an epic battle. So I'm I'm looking forward to a three-round war. Yeah, I think that it was, uh, I believe it was Joe Lozon that once said that, well, you know, he's had tons of fight of the nights in the past. He always preferred a submission of the night or knockout of the night because, you know, you get beaten up a little bit less. And mm -hmm. also it's kind of better for someone's career as well because while a fight of the night is good, that means that you did take a lot of damage and that can uh, maybe shorten your career a little bit. So I can definitely see where you're coming from with, you know, you obviously want to prefer a dominant perfor performance over uh, a more competitive fight in that in that regards. Yeah, I 100% agree because that's that's totally our mentality in training is that you know beatings take years off your career, so there's there's really no necessary reason to do it if you don't have to. Obviously, fight to the death, fight, die trying, but you know if we can avoid it, that's the idea. That's why we train so hard. Exactly. Yeah. And after this fight, uh, what do you think is next for you in terms of your uh, career? Are there any other specific opponents that you would like to face next afterwards? Um, you know, at this point, I'm not really, there's not a specific person I'm interested in competing against. I mean, there's people on the roster, of course, I would agree or not agree to fight. But, um, you know, right now I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm finally at a point in my career where I feel like, oh, wow, I'm like starting to become a pro fighter. Like I'm actually at this level maybe. And so, you know, even though I have a lot of fights, I, I feel like I'm still a baby. So I'm finally just getting to be a toddler in this. And so, you know, I just am trying to build myself, um, work my way up test myself against, you know, fair competition. And um, I just want to stay active. That's the biggest thing. Um, it's it, I had a layoff since April, and that's a long time for me. I love competing. That's that's one of the, the best parts for me. And so, if anything, I just really want to stay, stay active. So, you know, a, a good performance at Invicta really should help me do that. Oh, that's interesting. So you said that it was just recently that you finally took it all in and acknowledged yourself as a pro fighter, even though you have uh, almost 20 professional fights uh, <laughs> on your professional record. And so it, was there something kind of significant that happened that made you realize that this is your career and this is what you do for a living? Um, you know, it's more that um, when I went pro, it was because there was a lack of competition. There was, you know, it was 2009. There was, it was kind of like, right when girls were starting to like get in the gym and start training. So they weren't quite like competing yet. And so um, it was just a lack of competition was why I went pro. And 
I don't think I was quite ready. I had only had 12 amateur fights. I mean, it was, it was still some experience, but a lot of that was kickboxing. And so, um, I would have liked more experience. And the reason I say that I feel like I'm just coming into it is because I feel like I'm finally at the level where I could actually even say, Hey, I'm a, I'm a pro fighter. I'm a pro athlete because I actually finally train like I do. I actually finally have the martial arts IQ and the knowledge to actually like back that up. Whereas before I was just, getting by on the fact that I was tough and I would scrap. And now I feel like I'm becoming a martial artist and that's what's most important to me. Yeah. And I would say, you know, making it to Invicta, the biggest um, all women's organization out there right now, you know, they have some of the biggest names in their org. I think that, yeah, that can be uh, a big moment for someone's career that they realize that this is the big leagues, you know, that you can finally recognize yourself as a pro fighter. Well, and see, that was the problem, too, is when I first started, I mean, there was no female fighters, really. And so even when I went pro, I got a lot of opportunities, and that's where I learned you don't have to take every opportunity because not every opportunity is a good opportunity. Um, and so, like, I got to fight in strike force and things like that, like, right when I was a pro. And so, like, the big show was, like, right there, but I was at no shit you know no level to be competing there and so that's where you know yeah I would put on great fights and and do great and put you know make the crowd excited but it wasn't I wasn't coming out victorious or if I was it wasn't the kind of performances I wanted and I feel like I'm just starting to give you guys a little taste of what I actually can do. Looking back now at Invicta FC 15 I'd kind of like to get your thoughts on the rest of the card. Um, it will be headlined by Cyborg and Daria uh, Ibragimova, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. Uh, what's your prediction for how the main event will play out? Um, you know, the the problem is, is I haven't done enough research on her on Cyborg's opponent to really have a educated opinion. Um, but you know, from what I've just you know kind of heard or what I, the little bit I know, um, I, I see this being a striker versus grappler and. At the same time, I wouldn't call Cyborg a striker or a grappler, so I'm going to say her striking is going to dominate, and if it goes to the ground, I think that it might be a, a fun fight to watch for a little bit, but I think Cyborg will come out victorious. There have been a lot of talks about Cyborg, about whether or not she's going to cut down to 135 or not, or even 140 in the future for possible catch weight. Do you think that that's something that we could see in the future or is that do you think that she's just going to stay at featherweight and stay with Invicta and continue to continue her career the way that she's doing as of now you know I see it being a couple ways like I, I think that first of all now that Rousey lost she really has no reason to go to 35 she doesn't care there's no one else in the division she really wants to fight anyway so I feel like that kind of eliminated that for her um I mean I just feel like she's living her life so miserable trying to always make that way. I think she was just very unhappy, and I think that was affecting her, and I don't think she even wants to bother with that anymore. Um, but I don't know that she would stay with Invicta unless they continue to make her happy and keep her active. I see her manager, Tito, taking her maybe to Bellator, where they have a more rich 145 division. Um, I think that hopefully under the table, maybe they're working with the UFC to open a 45 division for her. Um, I just, you know, it's a, it's that division's kind of up in the air. It's kind of like the 25 division where it's like there's the few, maybe three, five fighters that are super talented and fun to watch. But I mean, you can't keep, they can't keep fighting each other. So that's where I think she's kind of in a rock and a hard place. So, you know, we'll see where she goes after this fight. Yeah, it's an interesting topic because while Cyborg is so good, there aren't a whole lot of uh, female featherweights. It's just, there's just not uh, very many fighters in that division. 
you know, no, it's not a very deep pool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the big ones are in, you know, bantam weight is a really big one, and then straw mm-hmm. weight, big atom weight. But then, yeah, like you said, featherweight and flyweight, you really don't see too many there. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see where mm-hmm. her career goes from there. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, Bellator would make sense because of Tito's ties to Bellator, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how things eventually play out now that the drop down to bantamweight isn't really in the picture anymore. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the other thing, too, is I think that the reason those two divisions aren't that deep is that the weight cuts, you know, everyone's cutting so much weight. I think 25 and 45 is more of a natural walk weight for a lot of these athletes. And I think that if people were fighting closer to their walk weights, those pools would be a little bit deeper. But because these people cut so much weight, I think that's where we're finding the holes and the gaps in the pools where they're not as deep because no one really walks at, you know, a weight to really cut to there where it's viable, you know. So I think, you know, maybe as people start to either – fight closer to their weights or the the rules get a little bit stricter on weight cuts, we may see those pools deepen a little bit. Uh, We'll focus back on you now. Uh, When you're not fighting or training, uh, what else are you doing in your free time? Do you have any, like, hobbies or anything like that? (laughs) Uh, The little free time I have. Um, Yeah, I really – I enjoy, like, when it's – like, right now, because I live in Colorado, um, it's winter, but, like, during the summer I really enjoy gardening, and um, we grow all of our own produce and stuff, so that takes a lot of my time, and um, we can all of our own vegetables so that we have fresh stuff during the winter, and um, me and my husband like to bowl, and uh, we have a pit bull and a miniature dachshund hound that we spend a lot of time with, so that's kind of what takes up most of my time. (laughs) Oh, very cool. And um, throughout your career, you know, you've had a lot of professional fights. Is there any fight that specifically sticks out to you? Maybe one that is a favorite that you ha- that you have or maybe the most memorable or anything like that? Um, yeah, I typically think the most memorable fight for me would be um, when I fought Michelle Blaylock for the Ring of Fire 125-pound title. Um, first of all, like, fighting at 25, um, I usually only did, you know, when I couldn't find a fight for a long time. And also it's typically because the opponent was similar to me, like we walk about 25. And so we, you know, it was on short notice or something. So we would fight at 25. Um, Michelle Blaylock, she walked much heavier. She walks around, you know, like probably 20, 30 pounds heavier than 25. So she's, um, was already a lot bigger opponent and, you know, she's pretty ripped and she was undefeated at the time. And, you know, in Colorado, they have a big thing about, you know, like being the the top girl fighter, blah, blah, blah. And so like, you know, it was a big, big deal. And everyone thought she was, you know, the greatest. And um, I really hadn't fought in a long time. And I I knew this would be a good opportunity. And they called me on two weeks that her opponent had dropped out. And um, I, I, it was one of those kind of David versus Goliath. I didn't know if I could do it. And when I came out and I threw this first jab, it was like this moment where I was like, oh, my gosh, boxing works so awesome in MMA. I've got this, like, oh, my gosh. And so it was, like, that That was just, like, one of those defining moments where I said I started to kind of feel like, wow, like, my knowledge is starting to, like, catch up to where I, I should be. And um, so, you know, being able to take that victory just really meant a lot to me. I had um, just kind of – we had just started to build our coaching staff, and so it just meant a lot to, like, be able to demonstrate a little bit of everything for all my coaches and show them, you know, I'm I'm really absorbing what you're teaching me. And, um, and of course, it was cool to, you know, get another pro title, um, and especially for a show that was at the time very prestigious, Ring of Fire. So um, it was – you know, that would probably be, you know, at this moment probably one of the things that helped me to learn um, not only that I, I could, you know – compete at a high level but that I had a lot to learn still and so it it 
made me hungrier. And um, lastly here, can we get your final prediction as to how this fight with Mizuki is going to end, your final uh, prediction as to how the, how the fight will play out and how you see yourself getting your hand raised? I see this being, like I said, a very epic battle um, that's back and forth, but definitively in my favor. Um, and I just look for a very competitive, I want Mizuki to show up on her best day um, and for us to just go and show everyone that um, we're going to put on an epic battle, honestly. Like, I'm just so excited we're going to strike, we're going to go to the ground, but in the end, I believe my hand will be raised. All right, sounds good. And um, do you have uh, any last words here, any uh Thank yous, shout outs, sponsors, or anything like that that you'd like to that you'd like to mention? Um, yeah, I would just like to thank you for having me. Um, I'd like to thank all of my coaches. My husband, who's my main MMA coach, he puts my whole game together. Um, he knows me better than anyone, and so he's able to just nitpick everything. Um, he put a lot of time into me in this camp and really just devoted himself to me, and I, I so appreciate that. So I'd really like to thank him. Um, I'd love to thank my professor, Joaquin Baca, my boxing coach, Steve Mestis, my wrestling coach, Mike Larita, my kickboxing coach, Don Lee. Um, and then, of course, I'd love to thank all my sponsors, 90 Degree by Reflex, Mall, Fighter Girls, Grip Mouthguards, MMA Roadhog Racing, Mass Destruction MMA, Kalo Rings, I Fight Sports Nutrition, Tan Time, Zionics, Dr. Jessica Reichert, Smoking Photos, Never Alone Foundation, and FighterDojo.com. And I'd like to thank my manager, Rosa Fridas, with White Buffalo Management. And just everyone, I'm so excited to have all the support. Thank you for everyone that helped my GoFundMe to pay for my medicals. And I'm just ready to go give you guys a great performance at Invicta 15, January 16th. And you can see Lacey Shuckman take on Mizuki Inoue on January 16th at Invicta FC 15, which we broadcasted on UFC Fight Pass. Lacey, thank you very much for being here, and best of luck to you in your fight. Thank you very much, Kane. You have a great day. Are you looking for a new MMA website to check out? Then get over to MMARecords.com for the latest news, analysis, videos, in-depth blogs, fighter interviews, and more. From the local shows to the UFC, MMARecords.com has you covered. You can find MMA Wreckage on social media as well, on Twitter at MMA Wreckage, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash UFC fans page. So stay up to date with all things MMA at MMARecords.com. MMA Futures and Funky Monkey Radio partner together to bring you the latest fighter interviews and MMA news. Check out MMAFutures.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.